You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Don't Get It Twisted. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Everybody? Uh, so glad to have you with us today. I, I, I got to apologize. I'm just, I'm having like a, a, a hard time uh, emotionally just because of something that happened last night. The Warriors lost. <laughs> Horrible. And they shouldn't have if Clay would just have made the layup instead of passing to Wiggins. I, I doubt he's listening today. So I want to welcome you guys to Creekside post-Easter. What an amazing Easter it was. Can we give everyone who served a big hand? We hosted, we, we hosted like over 800 people last weekend. We uh, baptized 23 people, I believe. It was an amazing, an amazing Easter weekend, and I am so grateful and thankful that I'm part of a church who cares about people and cares about uh, doing things well. We are truly an application church. Can I get an amen from the church? Uh, if you're watching online, thank you for joining us. I agree with you, peace for all. Uh, the warriors will obliterate the kings. Uh, that's the kind of chat that happens online in the comment section during worship. Uh, Say hello to uh, Kari or Carrie. I never get that name right. K A R R I. Carrie? Carrie. Welcome, Carrie. Uh, I know you're watching. Ken and Jan Perry from Oregon's watching. Uh, who else is watching with us? Wiley's watching online today. Uh, hey, can we let those online know that we turn around and look at the camera and wave at them? Every single one of you online and in-house, you help make this place amazing. Hey, guess what? We're kicking off a brand new series today. Uh, If you got your uh, program or your bulletin, you may uh, already be aware of what we're talking about. But I want to obliterate some cultural beliefs that many of us may have. Many of us may believe that these uh, sayings or these statements are actually in the Bible and that God said it. Four cultural beliefs that people have attributed to God over the years. The reality is that the Bible never doesn't say this, and God never said this, said these things. For example, next week we're going to be talking about God will never give you more than you can handle. (laughs) Following week, week three, we're going to talk about do not judge. Did God really say that? Did he really tell us not to judge other people? And I'm only doing this because of the 40 days in the Word where we spent 40 days, six weeks into digging into the context of God's Word and to better understand God's Word. And week four, money is the root of all evil. So I want to encourage you to join me in these next four weeks as we talk about What is true that God and the Bible never said those things. Today, I want to talk about what may be one of the most popular misconceptions about God, about His Word, 
especially in our westernized version of Christianity. Westernized version of Christianity. And it's this. All God wants is for me to be happy. God just wants me to be happy. Above all else, all He wants for you is to be happy. To enjoy life. To to, to enjoy only the good things that happen in your life. He just wants above all else for us to be happy. What if I told you that God doesn't want you to be happy? How would that sit? How does that hit this morning? That God doesn't want you to be happy. I know for some of us that may be upsetting to you. Man, I came to church today, PG, to feel good. To feel good about myself. To celebrate me and my truth. No. What what if I told you God didn't want you to be happy? I know it's upsetting. But it just sounds better, doesn't it? God wants you to be happy. That's something I can get out of bed on a Sunday morning for and go to church for. God wants you to be happy. Enjoy your life. Good things are in store for you. That's so, that sounds way better. I mean, matter of fact, I can even quote, quote, quote Scripture. Psalms uh, chapter 97, verse 12 says, May all who are godly, what? Be happy. How many of you guys ever danced to a song? I don't know. Seven, eight years ago by Pharrell. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel that happiness is a truth. I'm not going to sing it or dance to it. Listen, the truth is many, many believe that God just wants them to be happy. And if you believe this, My caution is, it will be the beginning of opening yourself up to other misconceptions that could be dangerous. Allow me to break it down this way. Let's call it the theology of happiness. The theology of happiness. If you believe that above all else that God truly wants you to be happy, here's what you eventually begin to believe. Whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever doesn't make me happy must be wrong. What makes me happy, that has to be right because I'm happy. But if I'm not happy, if I don't feel happy, then it must be wrong. Another famous song by Sheryl Crow, Crow, if it makes you... Wow. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? I mean, many of us in the room probably have sang along with that song, right? Whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. The second element of the theology happiness discomfort delay suffering risk inconveniences and obstacles can't be god's will for my life other words if something isn't going right if something isn't going the way you want it to go 
then this must not be God working in my life. So whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Any discomfort, suffering, risk, inconvenience, delays, obstacles must not be of God. They can't be God's will. And the third part of the theology of happiness is without knowing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and stuff, meaning things. I begin to pursue those things, the false gods. I replace my worship of the one true God with the God of the accumulation of things, money, comfort, ease, pleasure. Here's the problem with that theology. When we believe that God wants us happy, we're forced to believe that God exists to serve me. Now, the truth is, if you're taking notes, write this down. And this may be a shock to some of us. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. When we believe God exists to serve us, we, we, we reduce Him to like some cosmic vending machine or a co- you know, some supernatural slot machine. The money goes in and then I get what I want. Listen, I did all of these good things. I showed up to church once in a while. I was there on Easter. You know, I was there on Christmas. I did all of these good things. I even, you know, put a 20 in the bucket. So God should, you know, listen, you should really give me what I want, God. What I expect. The real tragedy of this misbelief, this misconception, if God wants me to uh, be happy and, and I end up not being happy, then God failed. Ah, I tried religion. I tried going to church. I tried praying. I tried, you know, serving on a team. It didn't work for me. You have to understand this. And, and, and you have to, I mean, if there's anything that you, that you walk out of here with today, let it be this, this one thought. Your happiness isn't the highest priority to God. Now, I, I do believe that God delights, right, in your happiness. It's kind of like, a, you know, a parent with a child. When, when Maddie, uh, my daughter, you know, was on the honor roll, man, oh, that, that was so amazing. Or when my, my daughter does something or accomplishes something, you know, that as a parent, you get that feeling and you can relate to what I'm talking about. But God doesn't want you to pursue happiness, God wants you to pursue Him. Not pursuing Him for our happiness. You know, listen, it's not about going, God, you know, hey, I want, give me the happiness I, I want, that I need, that I expect, that I'm pursuing. You know, God, give me what I want, how I want it, when I want it. It's not about that. It's about pursuing God, not for what He can do for you, but for who He is. And this morning, I'd like to dispel one of the biggest cultural myths today that we just talked about and give you two reasons why. Two reasons why God doesn't want you to be happy. 
If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Why does, why, why, the first thing, why doesn't God want you to be happy? He doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong. Wrong, lacking wisdom, or doing something stupid. Or sinful. Uh, a few years ago, I was a youth pastor at another church uh, before before I came to Creekside the first time, and, you know, we weren't part of any camp, so what we would do is we would take these students, my wife and I would take 20, 25 students, I don't know if this was the wisest thing, but we would take them for summer camp a week on a houseboat, whether it's Shasta, New Maloney's, or, and we would, we would get this, the, the, I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the biggest houseboat they had, we'd get two of them, and we'd take these kids on these houseboats, and this one particular trip we were on, uh, we get there, we're driving the houseboats out, and we're like, hey, let's all go swimming. And we're in the middle of this lake. And I think it was Shasta that year. And we all had, a leader guy, had this bright idea, let's all jump off the roof into the lake in the middle of the lake. So we're doing it, and my wife, you know, she mans up, and she gets on the roof, and she jumps off. We're having a great time. My wife's out there, I'm on, I swam back to the boat, I'm on the deck, and then I, I hear this screaming. And it's my wife, uh, you know, out there in the water getting smaller and smaller. Why? Because the boat was drifting away. Kristen couldn't keep up, and she started screaming, and she thought, and I thought, uh, and, you know, a couple of us jumped in to, to get out to her, uh, to get her back. We, we thought she was going to drown. What we thought was going to be fun and, and, and a good time almost ended in tragedy. And this is a, a perfect example of what so many do in their life. Oh, this, this is going to be fun, they said. You know? It's going to make me happy, they think. We're going to have a good time. But Scripture warns against those type of things, against those things that may seem right to a man, because in the end it leads to death. Here's the problem with that, you know, with what so many people believe. Scripture says to be holy. But many of us live it out like this, and I'm going to read from the all about me version of the Bible. It says, but just as he who called you is what? So in what? First Peter 1 5 AAMV. No, I'm just kidding. It actually says this. It says this in First Peter 1 15. Hey, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. But when we believe that God just wants us to be happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong, that are sinful, that are unwise, that are just stupid. And why do we do this? It's all in the pursuit of happiness. For example, many are not staying married in today's culture. Why? Oh, I'm just not happy in this relationship anymore. I'm just not happy. 
Now, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to make those who have gone through the pain of divorce, uh, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty at all. I'm trying to help those who may be currently going through it. Listen, be holy in all that you do, not just when you show up to church for an hour. In all that you do, when you're at school, when you're at work, when you're standing in line at the DMV, and I know it's hard because you feel like you're in literal hell, you know, being there, be holy in all that you do. When you're at Costco trying to find a parking spot on a Saturday morning, be holy in all that you do. Be holy. And what happens? Since I'm not happy, since I'm not feeling happy, since I'm not happy, I'm allowed to do something that would otherwise be wrong. That's what we say to ourselves. And what are we doing? We are justifying our sinful actions in our mind. I mean, eating, a, you know, I love C's candy, nuts and chews. I actually like dark chocolate with, you know, almonds in it. And well, I'm preaching now. And there was a time in my life where I'd sit down with a box of C's candy going, I'm just going to have one or two pieces. But what happens 15 minutes later, the box is empty. Maybe you're going, I'm not happy in my current job and I'm going to quit. I'm just not happy. Not realizing you have a family that you need to take care of. How about this, man? My wife's not meeting my needs. She's not meeting my physical needs, so you know what? I watch a little porn here and there. Because my wife's not meeting my needs. Premarital sex. I mean, Christ followers, you know, sex is a gift from God. It is a gift from God for the covenant of marriage. I can go, you know, a month-long series on why and how it destroys lives. But what do we do? Oh, we're in love. We're in love. Yeah, we're married in God's eyes. Right? God will understand. I mean, we're married in our hearts. This is the kind of stuff people justify their actions with. Maybe it's a, a, a TV show. Maybe it's a movie that dishonors God. I mean, we go to the movies, and we, here's what we're doing when we go to the movies. You know, I'm not being a prude, I'm not, I'm not, but listen, we go to the movies to be entertained by sin. Put that in perspective. To, we give our hard-earned money to go watch sin on a screen. Because we enjoy it. But here's the deal. Just because it's funny doesn't make wrong right. Fifty Shades, anybody? American Pie? I mean, what are we binging on Netflix? I'm kind of disrupting some things today, aren't I? <laughs> Welcome to the first weekend after Easter. <laughs> Listen, God doesn't want us, 
God doesn't want you to be happy if it causes you to do something wrong or sinful or unwise or stupid. God doesn't want that. He wants us to pursue holiness in our life, not happiness. The second, uh, the second thing God doesn't want, or the second reason God doesn't want you to be happy is when it, it's only based on the things of this world. How about those late night infomercials? Or how about infomercials in general, right? They're designed to tell you what you need to be happy in life. For example, you know, a Chia Pet, a terracotta head that that you water every day and it grows a weed. (laughs) Let me go on. The Snuggie. How many would admit they bought a Snuggie? How many would... How many, how many would have the, the boldness to admit they bought a shake weight? Or a thigh master? <laughs> Let me bring it home a little bit. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like, oh man, that new iPhone's going to change my life. Or that Stanley metal mud. It's going to change my life. Uh, may, maybe it's that new pair of Jordans. Or uh, ladies, I'm not just picking on the men. Ladies, how about that, you know, Kate Spade purse you've been eyeballing for a while? It's going to change your life. It's going to bring happiness to your life. We do this. I think a formula that culture tells us is true is that better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. The problem is all these things are based on happenings. Happenings change. And that's why no one is ever happy all of the time with the things in this world. They're counterfeit happiness. It's a false happiness. It's a counterfeit. For example, my favorite uh, sushi roll is a rainbow roll. And when I go up to, uh, for lunch at Hanabi Sushi up in that shopping center up there, I ask for a rainbow roll, but I say, hey, I don't like the mayonnaise because I think mayonnaise is from the devil. <laughs> so I say, you know, why don't you add, just make it, just fill it with crab. Here's the problem, though. I'm paying $3.99 extra for imitation crab. Did you know that? It's a cheap fish injected with stuff to make it taste like crab meat. My rainbow roll consists of imitation crab meat. It's the wrong thing. It's not real crab. It's the wrong, it's a counterfeit crab. And it's costing me extra. This is what the world does. This is what the world does. If you have all of these things, if you get all of these things, if if you accumulate all the Air Jordan 1s you can get, then you will be happy. See, God doesn't want you to be happy when it's solely based on accumulating the things of this world. I love what John says about this. He nails it. He says this in 1 John 2. Do not, what, love the world or what, anything. If anyone loves the world, 
the love for the Father is not in them. Him and James, man. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from where? The world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God loves or lives forever. See, God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong, sinful, unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. God's highest calling for you is not our happiness. God does not want you to be happy as much as God wants you to be blessed. God has something for you that is far better than your happiness. Way better than your happiness. See, we know that my happiness, our happiness is based on happenings. Happenings change. A blessed life is based on His goodness and His faithfulness. Some great minds even think that this blessed life, makarios is the Greek word, is translated like supremely blessed. It's, it's far more than just happy. God wants you more than happy. And that's what a blessed life is. Live a blessed life. God wants you more than happy. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that you'll never get sick. You'll never have that scary diagnosis. It doesn't mean you'll never lose your job. It doesn't mean that you'll never, you know, get a zip before the prom. It doesn't mean everything will always go your way. It doesn't mean that God will say yes to every single prayer. It doesn't mean you're going to eventually have your dream house. What it means is you will experience the goodness of God. Not only will you experience it, but you will experience the goodness of God while you are going through some of these trials in life. Your happiness and, and, and blessings are not based on the perfect, pain-free you know, life. It's not. Because God never promised that. He did promise in this world that you and I, we're going to have some trouble. We're going to have some trials. That's the promise. But take heart, because, because Jesus says, I have overcome this world. I have overcome this world. The problem is, we are all looking for a pain-free, perfect life, and when we don't get it, who do we start to blame? God. We start to blame God when we don't have it, but the reality is God wants to be active in our pain-filled life. You tracking with me? Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you'll be pain-free, storm-free. It doesn't mean you're going to not experience weakness in this world. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have trials. It means you will have comfort in your pain. You will have peace in your storm. You will have strength in your weakness. You will have joy through your trials. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you, what? The desires of your heart. The Hebrew, for, uh, Hebrew word for delight is being soft and, and, and pliable. 
where he can be shaped and molded. And as you and I pursue God, as you and I seek him first in all that we do, what happens? We then suddenly enjoy his presence in delighting in him, trusting in him. He gives us his, you know, his desires that are going to bring so much more joy than anything that we can pursue out of our desire for just happiness. And the best part is our desires will become, or his desires will become our desires. And our desires become his desires. And then we begin to pray. We begin to pray according to his will. And he gives us what we desire. We begin to enjoy him more. And as we enjoy him more, we become, we, we become more transformed. And I'm praying his will. And you're saying, I'm praying his will. And I'm, I'm praying his will. And I'm living the blessed life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Max Lucado wrote a book called When God Whispers Your Name. And he gave this illustration about if he was to put a fish on a beach. If you were to put a fish on the beach, would this fish be happy? No. Okay, let's say we give the fish a, a pile of cash, tax-free. <laughs> we give the fish a beach chair, and we give him some sunglasses, some suntan lotion. We even give him a margarita and a Playfish magazine. <laughs> Would this fish be happy? No. This fish will never be happy on the beach. Why? Because he wasn't designed for the beach. See, if, if you have it all, do you think you will ultimately be happy? If you had all the money you ever wanted, all of the fashion that you ever wanted, all of the car that you ever wanted, all of the house that you ever wanted, the, the, the savings account, the retirement that you ever wanted, do you think you will ever ultimately be happy? No. Why? Because you weren't created for this earth. You were created for eternity. You were created, you and I were, were created to glorify the God of this universe. You weren't made for earth. And moments of happiness and joy cannot compare to what is ahead in heaven. So here's what we do. I think you and I need to lower our expectations of earth, not of heaven. Lower the expectations of, of life on this earth, not of heaven. New car, new life, new baby, new boat. You know, will that really give you the joy that your heart craves? I mean, some of us are sitting in this room going, listen, PG, I tried everything I can. I've tried it, but nothing, nothing takes the place of our need for Jesus Christ, our need for a Savior, our need for a friend, our need for a king, our need for a Lord. Instead of trying to consume it all, church, 
I want to invite you just to turn your hands over and your heart over and give, surrender to Him. I heard someone say the other day, I'm I'm just looking for a church that celebrates me. That It's kind of weird when, when we were created to celebrate Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Instead of trying to consume it all, church, I want to challenge us and, and encourage us to give it all to Him. Oh, by the way, here's the rest of that verse in Psalm uh, 97, verse 12. I mentioned that it says, May all who are godly be happy. But it goes on to say, Be happy in the Lord. I think we have that verse, don't we? We don't? May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise His holy name. True joy, real happiness is found only in the Lord. And when we find it, when we surrender to it and put our trust and our faith in Christ, we'll understand that perhaps for the very first time ever, how blessed we really are when we fully surrender to Him. Maybe we've got to kind of let go of some of our own junk because it's distorting our view of who He really is. Some of us need to give it all over to Him today. Some of us know the true blessing and the joy that is found only in a relationship with Jesus. And wherever you are, I'm going to invite you to bow your head and pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for saving saving us out of a life of endless searching for happiness into a new life of unshakable joy. Father, we're sorry for making it about status, sorry for making it about accomplishments, accumulation of things. Father, I pray that you help us to move beyond consumption where we can become a contributor in your kingdom in this church. Now, friends, if you've never fully surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never really fully put your trust in Him through faith, and in accordance with the Apostle Paul when he encourages us to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, he said, then you'll be saved. If that's you and you've been pursuing personal happiness on your own and and your life has become cluttered with so much stuff that you thought would make you happy, but in reality, it's just it's, it's mucking up your life. And you need to shake it all off and set it aside and cast it at the feet of Jesus today. And if you've never started your relationship with Him, or if you need to recommit to Him and say, I'm sorry, I just want you to say this and, and pray this prayer with me. You don't have to say it out loud, but say it in your mind and believe it with your heart. You know, say, Jesus Christ, I surrender my all to you and I open my life to you. 
And I've tried to find happiness through the things that I've accumulated, through the relationships that I've had, through the accomplishments that, that I thought would bring me status. Father, I thought consumption was the pathway to happiness. But now I know I'm wrong. And Jesus, I want to start my relationship with you today. For I know that you, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and life. And I want to know you, and I want to know your purpose for my life. So I'm deciding today to believe with my whole heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. Because I know in him, in him, I know I will have true joy and live a blessed, fulfilling life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, if you made that prayer today, I want you to go see my friend Jana over there next to the uh, saying yes to Jesus. We have a yes packet for you, and in it is your welcome letter into God's family. Get over there and get one. Also, if you've recommitted your life to Christ or you committed or surrendered your life to Christ and you said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm through being a consumer of this Christianity. I know God has called me to be a contributor to his kingdom. If that's you, here's what I would encourage you and challenge you to do. If you're serious about the decision you just made, I want you to commit to come to church for one year. Just for one year. 50, how many weeks? 50, 52 weeks. 52 Sundays. Just come to church for one year and see what God does. Not because you're going to get anything out of it, but because you're going to, I mean, you're going to surrender to him. You're going to say, God, I want what you want for my life. One year. Commit to coming to church for one year. And we will walk with you, beside you, every step of the way. Can we do that? Yes. Guys, thank you for being here. You guys are awesome. Um, I look forward to what God's going to do for those of you who've recommitted or surrendered your life to him today. And we're going to close our time in worship. What song are we singing? Oh, appropriate. Uh, we're going to be singing a song called Living Hope. Let's declare it with our mouth today that Jesus is our living hope as we uh, conclude our time together. Can we do that? Amen.